Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. We'll begin there this, this morning. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Also, please, guys, get signed up for the men's conference. Don't wait till the last moment. Uh, shock the tar out of me. I'll get signed up right away. And, and, uh, and we, we uh, want to break last year's record. We had, a, I don't know, 120 last year, 100, quite a few last year. And, and this year, I'd uh, love to exceed that, uh, exceed that amount. And you bring a friend. A friend is only $25, and God will change their lives. If you agree, say amen. amen. Hebrews 11. We've been doing a series on, um, uh, uh, I've titled it the, the Triple Crown uh, uh, of the Christian life. And faith, hope, and love is where we get, the, we, we get that scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So we've been teaching on faith. And today I want to teach on the subject of divine hope. And um, we'll start out, though, by he- uh, quoting Hebrews 11.1. 1. Uh, the King James says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. Faith is the concrete support of things hoped for and, and the evidence of things not seen. Now, please understand all this. God gave us faith. If you study the Bible, you'll, you'll, you'll see that faith was an operation. Um, uh, 99% of the time, it was people's faith that were in operation when they received from God. They came, when they came expecting God, they weren't disappointed. The power of God was released into their lives and their lives were changed. How, how many want the power of God to be released in your life? It so changes you. It heals you. It sets you free from whatever may be, you may be in bondage to. And, and uh, it's just, that's, that's called the good news. The entire ministry is filled with that. But wherever Jesus ministered, faith was always present. Whether it was the faith of the person that was hearing the message or the faith of Jesus himself, or the faith of a group of people that brought someone to Jesus. Praise God, faith was always involved. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, verse 6 says that, verse 6 says this, but without faith, you cannot please him who God, for he that comes to God must believe. You got to believe. Every Sunday, that's why we try to encourage you to step out of the temporal into the eternal on Sunday morning Close your eyes, lift your hands, worship God by faith because he's a spirit being. And so if you're going to tap into where he is, you have to do it with your faith. You understand that? You can't grab him. You can't reach him. I wish, we, I wish that, would, the cause, that was the thing. We could reach out and embrace him physically, but we can't because he's a spirit being. So we have to do it by faith. And when we do it by faith, God responds and, and ministers to you and touches your life in whatever measure that you need. And uh, which I believe happened this morning during praise and worship. Okay, the, um, uh, the message, uh, so he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Say God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. And is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Seek him, okay? Here's, here, um, here's the message. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe, I like this translation, must believe that he, both that he exists, Everyone don't usually have a problem with that, that you, he exists. But here's the next part. And that he cares enough. Say, say God cares enough. God cares. Amen. He does. He cares enough for you. Doesn't, doesn't matter what spiritual condition you're in, whether you're saved or lost, God cares for you. God cares for the world. Jesus died for the world. He cares for you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He cares for you immensely. Good place to say amen. amen. Then he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Now, 
Back to verse 1 of the Message Bible. Now, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, it's the firm foundation when things are being shaken in your life. Whatever it may be, faith, faith, the Bible says, um, this trust in God, it's the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Hallelujah. So let me simply uh, defining faith in a simple way. It's taking God at his word. It's trusting him that he will honor and fulfill the promises he penned in the Bible, no matter how po- impossible and no matter how long it takes. And last week we saw that in the life of Abraham. Praise God. God made Abraham a promise in the book of Genesis 12. He confirmed it in Genesis 15. Uh, re- reconfirmed it in Genesis 15. And, uh, and, and established it in, in Genesis 17 by cutting a blood covenant uh, with him through circumcision. But here's what, uh, he, uh, he said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. A great nation shall come out of your loins. He went on to say, uh, Abraham, through you all the families of the earth, earth will be blessed. And then he promised that he, listen, would become the father of many nations. Now listen, he made that promise when he was 75 years old. He made that promise more in the end, of, or you could say not the end, but most, uh, more, more than the middle, beyond the middle, because he lived, I think, to be 140. And so he made that promise when his life was half over with. Say out loud, it's never too late. Never too late. Amen. It isn't. Never too late. Just God. And um, so the Bible says in Genesis 15 that Abraham believed God. Listen to this. And his faith, his faith in God rewarded Abraham. Remember? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. His faith rewarded him with God's righteousness or God's right standing. And when you have right standing with God, you, you tap into the unlimited resources of God so that whatever he's promised in his word can come to pass in your life. Is that beautiful? So he had right standing with God, hallelujah. And where the, what was impossible for Abraham was possible for God, hallelujah. So the Bible says Abraham believed that God would do what he said he would do, and he held on to that. Listen, he held on to that promise for 25 years. Now think about this. 5,000 years later, his faith is not only being talked about, but his faith is also being practiced by us whose lives not only were changed through salvation, but are continuing to be changed 5,000 years later. Is that awesome or what? That's how much God cares for us and how powerful his word is. His word never uh, never weakens, hallelujah. And though he didn't realize it at the time, his faith, listen, would have an impact on the entire human race. Every culture, every nation would be touched in a positive way by the mercy and love of God through a man by the name Abraham who simply said, God, I'm gonna trust you. Say this out loud, God, I'm gonna trust you. Amen. Trust you. Amen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I want to talk about the God kind of hope. Romans 4.18. We'll just move right along because I've got some awesome things to share with you. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith. I just love that. Every human reason. His senses said this ain't going to work. His senses looked at everything and said this can't work. It's impossible. And the Bible says he hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations. Watch this. As he had been promised. And what was the promise? So numberless shall your descendants be. That was the promise. That's, that's in chapter Genesis 17, I think verse 5. God said, God said, your, your descendants are going to be numberless. Abraham couldn't have children. His wife couldn't have children. But praise God, he believed the promise. He said, okay, God, I accept the fact 
that what's impossible for me is still possible for you. And so he never wavered. Now, the word hope, the Bible says he hoped in faith. The word hope in the Greek means expectation. It means to anticipate, usually with pleasure. Now, this is interesting. If, you, if, you, if someone came up to you and they gave you a promise, and let's say you know them very well. Let's say it could be a parent. And every moment up to that, or every time up to that moment, they have been faithful in their promises. How many agree that you would leave there, if they gave you a promise, you'd leave there with great expectation that it's going to be fulfilled? Right, because, because they, have, they have been faithful to their word in, in previous occasions. They've never broken it. They've made a promises before to you, and, and they've always honored those promises. So you'd be filled with expectation. That's exactly the way it is with God. God cannot lie. He cannot retreat. He cannot say something and say, well, you know, that works for others, but it won't work for you. You have to believe that every story that God uh, shared in the word of God was to inspire you to hook up with him and hold on to his word. Can I have an amen until it comes to pass in your life? Come on, shout amen. Praise the Lord. Faith and hope are the power twins for accessing all God's promises in his word. Listen, and because faith and hope Go hand in hand. The devil knows that if he can destroy your hope, your faith will be lifeless. Your faith will be powerless. How many understand some days that just feel hopeless? Raise your hand if you ever some days you just feel hopeless, like you don't have any hope. That's the enemy attacking, attacking you to try to convince you that the word of God is not working in your life. Proverbs 13. It says, verse 12, hope deferred, that word deferred means delayed or removed. Hope delayed or removed makes the heart sick but when the desire and i put this a longing for something you've been believing for is fulfilled it's a tree of life so god doesn't want your hope deferred he doesn't want it removed and the only one that can defer it is you the only one because see god is not he's not limited by our time not, neither is he forced, neither is he forced to submit to your time. God, if you don't move in 10 minutes, man, it's all over. First of all, if it's all over, if it's all over, you believe for that. Because God will get you out. It may not always be easy, listen, and it may not always be pretty, but God will get you out if you hold on to him. Amen? The Bible says in Jeremiah, read, write this down, good scripture, Jeremiah 17, 5. And then uh, uh, Jeremiah 17, 5, and then 5 through 6, and 7 through 8, talks about cursed is the man that trusts in the arm of the flesh. But blessed is the man who trusts in God. So if you trust in people, you trust in your job, you trust in your gifts and talents, it's, at one point, it's gonna, there's limitations going to be there. But if you trust in God, not only, not only will you get what he's promised, you'll keep what he's promised. Can I have an Amen. Trust in the Lord. Believe God. Hope in him. So hope deferred or delayed makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes or is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. Hallelujah. Now, every one of you probably understand how the enemy can attack your life. It, I mean, there are seasons that it just happens. Remember I said the devil only attacks you um, for two reasons, when you're doing right and when you're doing wrong. <laughs> So you might as well stay in faith. Amen. Don't practice wrong. If you, I mean, try to get out, repent. Can I have an amen? But that's when he attacks your life. 
So I'm sure that there's been times in you, hope's been stripped out of your life. It has in mine. It, it can be many things. It can, it can be setbacks in your life, loss of a job. It can be a uh, bad uh, report uh, uh, health-wise. It can, it can be a relational crisis. What, what if this situation and hope gets stripped from you? Well, where do you get hope back from? You get it from the Word of God. You got to go back to the Bible. Because the Bible promises you hope. Turn to Mark, the fifth chapter. We'll read a story there, and we'll end up talking. We'll end up closing with Abraham, just something that, was, that is awesome that you'll learn about him. In, in Mark, the fifth chapter, there's a couple of stories there. In Mark, the fifth chapter, I'll read it. It's so inspiring. The first, very first verse. Mark, the fourth chapter, Jesus teaches about the prayer of the sower. Then after the parable of the sower, he says, hey, guys, why don't you get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'll meet you there. So he's ministering, still ministering to people. You know, I'm sure that he's just having a great time uh, investing uh, God's love into people. They get in the boat to go to the other side. A storm rises up. You know the story. Tries to, you know, it tries to drown them all. And, 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 um, and so they get to the other side. And I always tell people, if there's a great storm in your life, uh, trust God because there's somebody you can minister on the other, out of the side of that storm. So there's a man that's demon-possessed. He has 6,000 demons living on the inside of him. And I've said this, but it inspires me that just think, 6,000 demons were living inside of him, but those demons could not stop his will from running to Jesus and worshiping him. <laughs> 6,000 demons at tight quarters. <laughs> isn't that beautiful, though? I said, isn't that beautiful? That your will is stronger than 6,000 demons living inside you. So he, so he gets delivered. He gets set free uh, from the mental uh, torment that he experienced. He cut himself. He, he, um, he, he ran naked through the graveyards. I mean, the guy, would, he would break, they would literally chain him up, and he'd break the chains like they were nothing. And so this man was, this man was um, really in torment. But Jesus set him free. Amen. I said amen. I said that's good news. Now, in, let's, I want to read now. Go from there. It says in verse 20, and he, the liberated man, the man who was set free, the Bible says he departed and began to publish, or he began to testify in uh, Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all did marvel. Oh, my goodness. Raise your hand if Jesus has done some good things in your life. Okay, put them down. Now, how many, raise your hand, if you can say that God has done some great things in your life. Raise your hand. Oh, see, Wow. There you go. You have a testimony. So he began to publish it. Oh, can you believe it? Jesus set me free. I was tormented in my mind, tormented in my body, and Jesus set me free. I'm telling you, man, everybody knew that demon-possessed man. Everybody knew the man from Gadarene. Everybody knew this evil person out there was set free. Everybody, it was a testimony. All anyway, look at verse 21, Mark 5, verse 21. Hallelujah. And when Jesus was uh, passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was near unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. Now, I want you to read it. We've preached on this, but I want you to really fix your eyes on this story. For just a moment, I want to show you something great. It, and, and the Bible says, uh, uh, much people gathered unto him. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly. Now, I know the King James a little, can sometimes sound, you know, sound a little bit, you know, confusing. 
But would you agree, beseeching somebody or be, uh, seeking somebody out greatly, or I mean desperate, I mean you're crying out. I mean, you, this, he's got a daughter that is nigh to death. She is laying on her deathbed, ready to die, and he hears about this awesome guy who has raised people from the dead, and he says, man, if he does, has done it for someone else, I'm going to believe he'll do it for me. So he runs to him and bows and says, he beseeches him uh, and says unto him, um, my daughter lieth at the point of death. Please come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Amen. And Jesus says, well, wait a minute. I'm going to have to open up and find out a little bit about your background, how good you've been. Make sure you've been faithful. No, he didn't, he didn't say anything. The Bible says that Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. Okay, now watch this. And during this time that he's heading for, heading towards a crisis a life and death situation. Oh, I mean, there's, there's no time to spare. Uh, I mean, she's dying. I mean, her last breath is leaving her lips. And the Bible says, a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years. The Bible says, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had. That doesn't mean that Jesus is against physicians. It just means that she had a situation they didn't have a medical, no medical term for or any help. Do you understand that? See, we're not a church, and I want you to understand this. We're not a church that says you shouldn't go to a doctor. Some of you would be dead without a doctor. Amen? I'm so grateful I had a doctor a few weeks ago when I ended up in the hospital. I was so grateful for the nurses. So grateful when they shot that stuff into my arm and went, whoo, whoo, happy days are here again. Oh. They, at one point, I mean, I'm in such pain. Of course, you know, us guys can't take the pain like women can, but I'm laying there in so much pain. And they shoot, what'd they give me? Um, no, morphine. They gave me a shot of morphine. Yeah, yeah, later. And... Oh, yeah, but I just, I mean, my whole body broke out into a huge, I mean, I looked like I just got out of the shower, and I, it happened within like 10 seconds. Every, every, everything in my body opened up, and the water just poured out of my body. I got, I was allergic to it. So they're freaking out because I'm allergic to the, to the shot. And so, thank God for doctors. That's all I wanted to say. Let's go on. Hallelujah. Well, I wanted you to know that. You know, if somebody tells you not to go to the doctor, you know, let me tell you something. I, I'm going to, God's going to meet you where you're at. Don't try to fake it. You could die. There's people in medicine. They've been in medicine. We had a good friend of mine, great friend of mine. Had him preacher at a faith family church, powerful man of God, diagnosed with colon cancer. Is that right, colon? They caught it early, but he said, bless God, I'm going to beat this with my faith. He died a few months later. So don't, don't try to be a faith hero if your faith's not there. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's go on. 
And so he departed, the Bible says. Well, where am I at? Help me. Where am I at? I'm way down here somewhere. So the Bible says, and so, verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she came. When she heard, she heard. It was published, all people are being set free by Jesus. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press. Her, her feet got her faith moving. She came in the press behind. She touched his garment. For she said, now again, I don't want to get into all the Jewish legalities, but she was bleeding, and she was bleeding. And anytime in Jewish culture or in, in Judaism, a woman who's bleeding, uh, I mean, she's unclean, so they have a right to stone her. Oh, the compassion of these Jews. So the Bible says she came risking her life. She said, if I may but touch, she, for she said, that, uh, in one translation, she said within herself, her confession, she spoke this out. And she says, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in the body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power, virtue had gone out of him, turned and said, who touched my clothes? Well, the disciple says, are you nuts, Jesus? Everybody's touching you. No, he says, who touched me with their faith? In verse 32, and he looked around and he saw her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what was done in her, came and fell down before Jesus and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, my faith has made you whole. Oh, thank you for catching that. He says, thy faith hath made you whole. Thy faith has made you whole. Praise the Lord. And behold, uh, uh, go, go in peace and behold of thy plague. Now, while he yet spake, while he yet spake, now watch this. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? Now, very interesting, very interesting that that, that timing was so perfect that the moment he says out of his lips, Behold of thy plague, bam, they are behind him tapping him on the shoulder. Six. Uh, master, uh, sir, d d don't, don't bother the master anymore. They probably said it critically. Uh, d don't bother him. She's already dead. So that came to strip hope out of it. That came to strip him of the hope that he had up to this point, watching, watching and listening. He watches this woman be healed, listens to what Jesus says, your faith has made you whole, and immediately he gets a bad report. Immediately he gets a bad report. The Bible says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Only believe. As soon as that negative word was spoken, he said to the ruler, be not afraid of that report. Don't be afraid of that report. Only believe the words I just spoke to the woman. Just believe the words I just spoke to the woman. Why? Because they belong to you. See, if, I mean, in legalities, this, this man was a Jew. And because he was a Jew, he had a legal right to the covenant of healing. So, hallelujah. Of course, everybody did. Anybody that had faith. But he had a legal contract that healing belonged to him and his family. He had a, he had a binding contract that God can't break. And all he had to do is hold on to his faith. And I love this story because obviously he hung on to his faith because you go on a one-time read because we're running out of time. 
uh, the Bible says he went, Jesus went to the house, uh, uh, kept all of the unbelievers out, and just took him and Peter, John, and, and they went inside and raised her from the dead. A 12-year-old girl who is dead raised her from the dead because this man held on to hope. Is that awesome or what? He held on to hope. He didn't let go. He could have easily let go. Could have gotten discouraged and said, Jesus, I can't believe you allowed this woman to interrupt you. Now my daughter's dead. No, he didn't say that. He, he, he encouraged him to, to stand on what he said to the woman. Praise God. Now, I want to close in Hebrews, the third chapter. And I'll make this real quick. Just a few minutes. Because we're closing this whole, talking about the divine force of hope. Spiritual hope. Expecting. Expecting from God. Believing that what he says in his word concerning your provision concerning direction for your life, concerning strength, if you need strength. Uh, whatever you need, God, it's in the word of God. You find it, and then you lay hold of it with your faith. And you keep hoping in God. If you agree, say amen. amen. Now, in, now we're going to go to Hebrews, read the third chapter here, if you want, Hebrews 3, uh, chapter 3. When the children of Israel were on the edge of the promised land, you know the story, God sent in 12 spies. To spy out the land, not only, number one, to get a military strategy to take it, but number two, to prove that what God had said was so. So they even brought back evidence that it, it was a, truly a land flowing with milk and honey. They were so excited until these 10 of the 12 men brought back an evil report. An evil report, the Bible says, that literally stripped all 3 million people of their hope. Stripped them completely of, of the hope that they had of what God promised. And the Bible says in Numbers 14 that all the congregation cried out with a loud voice. And they wept all, uh, that night. All the Israelites grumbled and de deplored their situation, accusing Moses and Aaron. Yeah, they go after the preacher. To whom the whole congregation said, would that we had died in Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness. And what happened? What's well, so sad is they died. They got exactly what they embraced. They got exactly what they confessed. They died. We've been, we've been given for a month, and that doesn't work. See, your attitude truly will determine your future. And so don't ever say the word don't work. The word works all the time. It, all the time. It can't fail. If the word of God fails, then you've just declared that God is a failure. Isn't that what Je the Pope said about Jesus? Vicki, you shared it this morning. The Pope said that Jesus was a failure on earth. The Pope said that Jesus, and she had to go back and listen to it a couple times to make sure he said, the Pope said that on TV that the, Jesus was a failure on earth. He said it's a failure on the cross? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, he's going to have to stand before the king, you know. Amen? And uh, it may not be a lot of fun. So anyway, they literally got what they confessed. Listen to this. When you're endeavoring to pursue God's best for your life, oh, the Bible says, what they say? There's giants in the land. When, you, when you're endeavoring to pursue God's best in your life, there will always be giants standing in your way. They exalted the giants above God. I wrote this down. Maybe it's on the screen. I don't know if you put it there. Your problems will always be bigger than you until you make God bigger than them. Isn't that good? 
They will. Isn't that good? Yeah. Your problems will always be bigger than you until you make God bigger than them. Now, I, I got that. So I wrote that down. But this I stole from a preacher that said this years ago. He said, don't, don't look to the bigness of your need, but rather look to the bigness of your God. <laughs> That's a good one, too. Isn't that good? I just love this stuff. Hallelujah. Don't look to the bigness of your need. Look to the bigness of your God. Say, I serve a big God. Say, I serve a big God, far bigger than my big needs. <laughs> well, I give him praise. Hallelujah. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Hallelujah. So anyway, here in Hebrews, and we'll close. In Hebrews of the third chapter, um, it records the emotional state of and, 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 and the attitude of, of the Israelites as they're making their journey. And in this chapter, God warns. Say, God warns. God. He warns the New Testament believer from this writing. He warns us so that we don't make the same mistakes that they made. Begin to murmur and complain because the way is hard. Let's read it. Therefore, holy brethren and sisters... Partakers of the heavenly calling. Now, please capture this because it's so important. Do you remember what I said about Abraham? Abraham never, when he was on his journey, he was never looking for a temporal city. He was looking for an eternal city. Well, that's what the Bible says. He was looking for a city whose builder, whose foundation and builder is God. He was looking for an eternal city. City, because if, listen to me, because if he would have been looking for a natural one, he'd have built a house. He didn't build a house, he built a tent. Excuse me, he lived in tents. He was one very wealthy, 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 multi-millionaire and never built a house for his family. He was so convinced that just up ahead was this eternal city. Do you think he saw it? You better believe it, he did. When he took his last breath, he saw it. Isn't that awesome? Why is that important? Because you have to understand our heavenly calling. We are not here. We are not going to be here permanently. We all have to make that transition into the eternal, into the eternal plan of God, eternity, heaven. So consider your heavenly calling. He goes on. Let's go on. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, Watch this. Who was faithful to him will point at him. See, if Jesus wouldn't have been faithful to him will point at him, you wouldn't have any hope of a heavenly calling. <laughs> Let's go on. As Moses also was faithful in all his, that's God's house, for this one, for, for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he, Christ, who hath built the house, has more honor than the house, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. So God built you. God built your life, both naturally, can I have an amen, and now he does spiritually. Now, as Moses indeed was faithful in all his house, God's house, as a servant, for a testimony of those things which should be spoken afterward, but Christ as a son is faithful over his own house, watch this, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. The end of what? The end of this journey to your, to your, your eternal destiny. 
See, we're not. We're sojourners. That's what Hebrews says. You are aliens. <laughs> You're an alien. Maybe the UFO is coming to pick you up. You're an alien. <laughs> Beam me up, Gotti. Oh, anyway. Yeah. We are. The Bible says we're aliens. The Bible says we are strangers sojourning through this earth, this natural world, heading towards our eternal reward. So we have to stay focused on that, all right? So we don't abort our faith like the first generation did and be stripped of the hope that God has given us regarding our future. Amen. Now, jump to Hebrews 6, winding us down. We see the fruit of Abraham's faith and his faithfulness, okay? Hebrews 6, verse 7. Now, land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. You all agree with me and say amen. amen. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. Now, stop and think about it. Stop and think about it. Whose fault is it if the land is producing thorns and thistles, it's not the land's fault. It's the farmer's fault. Is that right? Because the land will only produce what the farmer plants in it. So obviously the farmer here is not a good steward because if he's a good steward, he wouldn't be harvesting thorns and thistles. Y'all with me so far? Okay. And the Bible says it's worthless, it's worthless and is being, uh, uh, be, uh, it's in danger of being cursed. Now, remind me of the fig tree in Mark, the 11th chapter. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Why did he curse it? How could Jesus do that? Because it had ceased to do what it was created to do, and that's bear fruit. You and I are created to bear the personality and attributes of God. It's called fruit in Galatians 5.22. We're called to bear the fruit and character of God. Can I have an Amen. And if you'll do that, you'll, you will inherit, you will receive, you will reap the blessings of God in your life. All right. But the Bible says they're in danger of being cursed, and in the, in the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear brothers or friends, we are confident of better things in your case. So he's talking about the spiritual things, okay? Things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him, him as you have been have helped his people now continue to help them, okay? Now, this is exactly what Joshua and Caleb, think about this. This is exactly what they continued to do. They were supposed to go into the land of promise, right? I mean, God said, go and possess the land. They got there in 10 days. The 11th day, they received the law. They got to the edge of promised land. They went in and, 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 and brought back an evil report. What'd they do? Joshua and Caleb had to do something. They could have played the, the blame game. They could have, been, could have been embittered by these leaders who brought back an evil report. They could have been embittered by those who caused dissension. But they didn't do that. They, they, they kept teaching faith, hope, and love to the next generation so that when God said go, they wouldn't say no. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. Yeah. That's what they did. They continued to teach the next generation. I believe that's why they were ready. I believe that's why they were prepared. They didn't want to make the same mistake. Amen. Verse 11, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. 
We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised them. Now I'm going to read verse 13 out of the Message Bible. This is so good. When God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt. Watch this. God put his own reputation on the line, for he said, I promise that I will bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Hallelujah. Come on, get excited about that because this belongs to you. This is a covenant promise that belongs to the church. Abraham stuck it out and he got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by an appeal to some authority above them so that if there's any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Now, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Hallelujah. It's a unbreakable spiritual lifeline. The Bible says in King James, it's an anchor of the soul reaching past all appearances to all appearances, reaches past all the appearances, all the limitations, all the problems, all the mountains, all the dips and valleys. It reaches past all these appearances right, the Bible says, right into the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. I just love that. Well, what did Melchizedek do? He was, a, he was the high priest of God, and what he did, he did two things. He conferred the blessing and received the tithe. Conferred the blessing and received the tithe. Conferred the blessing... He so, God so trusted his people, he believed that they would, he, he, he would want, he wanted to bless them even before they brought their tithe. Praise the Lord. Keep your hope in God. Keep anchored. Keep anchored in, in, in God's word. Psalm 62, this is the last one. But this is David. I mean, he, of all he went through, he kept his hope in God. He says here in Psalm 62, it says, my soul Wait only upon God. What, look, at it, look at the words. Wait only upon God. My soul, my soul, wait only upon God and silently submit to him for my hope and my expectation are from him. He only, him alone, he only, say he only. He Amen. Only. He only is my rock and my salvation. He only is my defense and my fortress. I shall not be moved. With God rests my salvation and my glory. He is my rock of unyielding strength and impenetrable hardness. And my refuge is in God. Trust in, lean on, rely on, have confidence in him at all times. And pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us, a fortress and a high tower. Selah, the word selah simply means to stop and calmly think of what's being said here. Bow your head. I want to pray for you today. I, I, I just want you to know, and I'm going to encourage you, as, as you get up and you read your, 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 your daily devotion, you read Psalm or Proverb, uh, God wants to let you know that everything's going to be okay. Just get used to, please, get used to this, that there is nonstop 24 hours of news. Listen, 95%, no, 98, no, 99% of it is negative. Is negative. Well, how in the world can you have hope restored in your heart with so much negativity? You can't. 
it'll strip you. It'll strip you completely of any, it'll strip you of both your faith and hope. It will. And so you got to avoid that. And God's really trying to get that through to me. None of it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, none of it, it, not, it doesn't matter at all what the world does. What matters is what you are doing right now personally with your life in Christ. That's what matters. That's going to determine whether you're going to be shaken or you're going to be standing. I want to be standing firm upon the rock. I want, when everything's shaken, I want to have the courage and the revelation, the insight and the strength to tell everybody around me, it's going to be okay if you put your faith in God. It's going to be okay. You understand? Like I said, maybe you're in that season. Boy, I've been in them. That season where you're in a hard place, difficult place, whatever. It could, it could be whatever situation you're facing. And I just want you to know and encourage you that you read the scriptures where the Bible tells I mean, David says so much about his hope in God, that God is his refuge, his fortress, that God is everything, that God is the one who leads him uh, not only into battle, but brings them through, hallelujah, and victory. You have to read the scriptures. That's what gives you faith and hope. That's what encourages you and strengthens you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.